here in Australia, we buy, we cook our sweets at home and make the tables are full of that sweets. Kids gets very happy with that, everybody. And this is a celebration, big celebration. Today on Dirty Linen, we're continuing our series speaking about cultural festivals. Today, we are talking about something that is going on right now and is so important to Muslims around the world. We are talking about Ramadan with Musa Kayat. Musa has got the Knafe Nabulsaya shop in Melbourne. I have to say, Knafe is one of my favorite foods in the world. Musa, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat to us during Ramadan. And this week on the podcast, we're learning about different cultural traditions. So, yeah, can you please tell me a little bit about your background and about Ramadan and the way it is, it way, uh, yeah, the way it works in your life? Sure. Um, originally, I am from Palestine, immigrated about uh, 37, 38 years ago to Australia, enjoying the life around here. And also we practicing all the beliefs what we have faithfully. Now we Muslims around the world, for us Ramadan is very holy month where we practice our faith and beliefs. Ramadan is fasting month for us where uh, we have to fast from the dawn to the you know, sunset, the sunset. And uh, during that day, usually we do our work without having any food or water, of course. But at the end of the day, practice our uh, calmness, if you like, you know, in terms of being calm without food all day or water. And, uh, uh, of course, we sit down around the table, thanking God for the day and for practicing that faith and uh, having our food. So, in Australia, we quietly enjoy among our community and we have our traditions, of course, in, the, in this month. So, Musa, what are the foods that you normally break the fast with uh, in the evenings? In the evenings, usually we break it with the soup first to go down on a tummy, empty tummy, to start with. And then with something like, take a little bit of break, of course, some people go and pray and come back and have food like uh, any any dish can be <laughs> cooked around you know the table or in the family whatever they prefer to have for that dinner if you like and what about early in the morning before dawn do you get up early to have something in your tummy for the day that's correct we get up early in the morning and have something to last us during the day. Also, we have some sweet, something sweet, and uh, maybe a cup of tea to keep us going during the day to give us energy for that fasting day. If and like. how, how do you find fasting? I mean, do you get hungry? Do you feel 
good about it? Like, does it give you energy to be <laughs> fasting? Like, explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> look, um, look um, fasting is something, it's a self-challenge, if you like. And uh, there's a lot of things goes uh, among that. For example, you know, the smokers, they find it very, very annoying because they need that cigarette you know, during that day. <laughs> or, um, but um, yeah, as long as you're ignoring what goes around you, even if you work in a kitchen and the smells around you, you know, gets you hungry when you smell food, gets cooked, but you keep going. It's a self-challenge. But uh, trust me, after three days, you'll get used to it and you won't realize. And how many days do you do it for? For 30 days. And what, um, how far into it are we now in the yeah, first week of April? We are in uh, sixth day of, uh, of Ramadan. Of, uh, no, I'm trying to count. You know, about sixth day. Yeah. So another 24 days, 23 days. <laughs> but you feel well in the swing of it now? Uh, yes, absolutely. First, as I said, you know, first three days, second or third day, and then you get mm. used to it. You won't realize. And tell me about the end of Ramadan, about the big feasting that comes at the end. Well, end of Ramadan, of course, we celebrate the Eid the, at the end of uh, Ramadan. And then, you know, that, that, that's a big celebration, actually. And uh, because after fasting, you will see everybody is completing his, uh, you know, what's been asked, you know, as in faith for uh, practicing Ramadan. Everybody happy with that, breaking your fast, and then you're celebrating the Eid for three days. And so tell me about it. Tell me about it, celebrating Eid. Like, what happens? Celebrating Eid, of course, main thing for us Muslims is visiting friends and family, keeping that. Also, we, you know, having sweets all around, cooking, uh, but mainly sweets being spread around as well, you know, gets cooked. Back back home, where I came from, Palestine, usually people get very busy before eat cooking some cookies for the eat. Um, here in Australia, we buy, we cook our sweets at home and make the tables are full of that sweets. Kids gets very happy with that, everybody... <laughs> And this is a celebration, big celebration. That's great. And what about the other foods, like on the table? Do you have traditional foods that you always eat for Eid, or is it just whatever um, whatever goes? Whatever goes, usually. But usually, you know, gets cooked a big meal. A big meal. Talking about, you know, meat, get involved, or maybe chicken. <laughs> In this big, usually roast chicken, or maybe roast lamb, or something you know gets the family all around the table and celebrating you know uh the the eat but usually it's a big meal for the family with the um knafe shop that you have like do you operate it during ramadan what what changes what changes for you in work it changes comes here for us because we provide some food we stop the food because we can't keep up with the sweets. Sweets is very demanding in Ramadan. Ramadan, because after day of fasting, usually people um, have some uh, sweets with a syrup in it to just to give them a boost, if you like, after 
you know, fasting and bring up the sugar to the, you know, and energy, <coughs> if you like, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's sweets is very, very demandful, and they're always asking for it, you know, during Ramadan. So this is the changes what we did now is usually because we, we are short of stuff in this state, <laughs> to be honest with you, we can't keep up with, with, with something else. Usually a lot of sweets get done by Ramadan. People consume a lot of sweets. So what do you do? Do you just open um, the Kanafa shop at night time and then do you just make as much as you can or what do you do? We, we, what we do is we prepare for... Uh, the afternoon, usually people come and buy it, you know, just before the iftar. And uh, that's what we do. Knafi, there is a heaps of it being sold. Yeah. Wow. And so for people who don't know what knafi is, just explain it. Uh, knafi is a dish where is uh, a flour, if you like, you know, a dough is involved, uh, a layer of a dough with uh, we use vegetarian ghee, of course, you know, uh, stuffed up with the cheese and then baked syrup add into it, you know, gives it a very beautiful smell, uh, taste and smell as well. Yeah, so it's like a sweet syrup-soaked cheese pastry. Cool, absolutely. And I think absolutely. there's something very special at your Kanafa shop about the way that you, the machine that you use to make the pastry. Can you tell me about it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, what we do here in our shop is what we learned from very long time. That this is the way how they used to do it, you know, maybe 300 years ago. Cooking the knafi on uh, the machine or preparing our dough on a copper surface uh, to prepare our traditional uh, knafi. And that's what makes it very unique, actually. So it's a very old way of doing the knafi. But what about the machine that you use to make the pastry? The machine, uh, of course, being designed here, we made it here in Australia, to give me the result I want to, you know, of creating the dough for the knafi. So it wasn't available here in Australia. So we have to design it with a couple of friends, and we build it, and it works perfectly. Because I've seen the way it, it, it sends the pastry out in these very, angel, like, angel's threads, like very thin threads of pastry, which are then almost looks like a, a, ha a hand that sort of scrapes it into this pile of beautiful thread. Um, it just it looks so beautiful, and I just love the fact. Like, so this is a unique machine that you have, right, Musa? So, well, it is a unique machine, and it's... Uh... One its kind, one of its kind, you know, in Australia, because as I said, you know, we made it and we adjusted a little bit of things and gives us a perfect result. This is the old way how they used to do it on a copper. Cooking on copper gives you a perfect result and a beautiful taste as well. So it's, uh, as I said, you know, maybe I did explain about it. That's a turntable, very hot, out of copper. It rains on it, very thin layer of pastry and flicks it ready on a side and that's what what they call it kadaifi this is the knafir but this is the original recipe if you like mm, absolutely love it i feel a bit mean asking you to talk about it while you're fasting but i'm very grateful to you for <laughs> explaining it well it's <laughs> 
<laughs> this is what we do now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and what is it right to say? Um, uh, what do I say? Ramadan Mubarak? That's correct. Thank you very much. Ramadan Mubarak to you too, if you fast. Just with us. All right. Thank you so much, Musa, for talking us through it. And I'll, I'll see you for Kanafe soon. Thank you. Really appreciate it. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.